weekend in Advent. Uh, for our friends who are worshiping online or on the radio, just a reminder that you can go to our website, which is chapelofthecross.org, and uh, there you can find under the resources tab the bulletin for the service so you can follow along. Also, there's under the give tab options for giving your offering to the Lord and his, and his church where you can do that. Just a few announcements to share with you uh, today before we begin worship. As you, I hope, are aware, we are worshiping our Lord not just on the weekends during Advent, but also on Wednesday nights. Uh, we have two more midweek Advent worship services to go. Service starts at 6.30 p.m., and a light supper is served prior to the service. That, that supper starts around 5 p.m. Uh, this Wednesday, our, our supper will be a little bit different than our previous two. We are having a soup supper potluck. So we ask uh, for you to sign up on that sheet at the Welcome Center to bring either a soup, a side dish, or a salad to share. And then please join us for dinner, especially for worship on this upcoming Wednesday night. Our special Christmas choir concert will be tomorrow at 11 a.m. I hope everybody can come back for that, for that special time of worship and music. And then make sure also to come to our children's Christmas program, which is next Sunday, December 18th, at 11 a.m. So you'll for sure want to join us for that morning as we enjoy the story of the birth of Christ as told by the children here at chapel. And we will be um, joining together, of course, for some special worship services on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So Christmas Eve candlelight services will take place at 5 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. And then on Christmas Day, which happens to be a Sunday this year, but instead of two Sunday services on Christmas Day, we will worship all together at 10 a.m. on that Sunday, Christmas Day. And we will celebrate the Lord's Supper at all three of those worship services, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. If you wish, you may purchase a, one or more poinsettias to beautify the church this upcoming Christmas season. There's an announcement about that in your, in your chapel weekly. Just be aware the, the deadline for that is Sunday the 18th of December. 2023 offering envelopes are ready and available for you to pick up in the commons area. They're over there in the corner by the church office. Those are in alphabetical order by last name, so please find yours if you could and take that home with you today. And thank you very much for your continued good stewardship here at Chapel of the Cross. As was this, this, uh, discussed at our voters meeting this past Sunday, uh, the congregation is beginning the process of calling an associate pastor from the graduating class at Concordia Seminary for youth and pastoral care. If God leads the call committee to a potential candidate, a meeting of the voters assembly will be held to discuss the, that candidate and to vote on whether to extend a call. So the call committee invites the congregation to contribute suggestions or concerns or potential interview questions for the candidates and, and possible names even for, for qualified pastoral candidates. Uh, there, there are firm deadlines that we have to work with though, so feedback needs to be submitted by next Sunday, December 18th. Uh, you may respond via email or via handwritten note to the church office. Copies of the job description developed by the Personnel Committee are available at the Welcome Center. And on the reverse side of that, there's contact information for all members of the call committee. So we encourage you to reach out and discuss this exciting and important process for our congregation. And we certainly ask you to pray for God's direction and for his guiding hand on our call committee and for our congregation throughout this process. There's more information than even what I just shared with you in your chapel weekly, so please, I encourage you uh, to read that announcement. 
And, and uh, last thing, I asked Jonathan Kirsten to come forward uh, for an announcement about an exciting new ministry to young adults that he is spearheading. Jonathan. Good evening. I'm Jonathan Kirsten. I am a member here that you have so graciously welcomed into your congregation. I'm also a member of a program called A Thousand Young Leaders that teaches evangelically outreach. God has laid on my heart to start a young adult ministry, not only at Chapel of the Cross, but also involving neighboring churches in North County. We seek to encourage young adults to share God's love as brothers and sisters in Christ. I ask that you take this flyer that you received with your bulletin and place it or show it where a young adult you know can see it. I pray that God will lead them to read it and attend our kickoff event on Friday, January 6th at 6 or 7.30 p.m. at Blessed Savior Lutheran Church in Florissant. We will enjoy hot cocoa, s'mores, and a warm bonfire, and all who attend will be able to contribute their thoughts on the name of this ministry and the mission we will work on together. Thank you, and God's blessings. Thank you, Jonathan. We look forward to the start of that wonderful ministry. And again, um, you might not be in that age group, 18 to 35, um, but perhaps you know somebody who is, so you can please share that information with them. Our elder for this weekend is Stan Schwede. Stan, can you stand up? He's over here. He's going to greet you at the back door. As you leave, get to know Stan as one of your elders here at chapel. God's blessings to you as we worship together today. We stand and share the peace of the Lord with one another, after which we will sing our entrance hymn, Arise, O Christian People.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts. Today, God calls us to prepare for God's coming by repenting of our sins. Most merciful God, we confess that we are sinners and that our sin separates us from you. In words of grumbling and complaint, in impatient and hasty action, in unclean and unfaithful thoughts, we have sinned. Forgive us our sins for Jesus' sake. Rejoice greatly and shout for joy. For the sake of Jesus, by his command, and in his stead, as his call and ordained servant, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the lighting of these candles signify that you are the light that shines in all the darkness of our lives. As we wait, watch, hope, and pray, guide us all to reflect your light and let it shine through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. of our hearts by your precious truth. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. The Old Testament reading is from the 35th chapter of Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. 
The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow and a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in the way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. Only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We read responsively Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Do not I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is in, God, in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. The epistle is from James, the fifth chapter. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience and the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, 
we consider blessed those who have preserved, persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. as you are able for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who has come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, 
Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palace. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forcefully men lay a hold of it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated for this time of the word. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
The text for the sermon this evening is the appointed gospel reading for this day from Matthew chapter 11, especially these verses. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. In the name of Jesus, Christian friends, today, as you probably noticed here, we light the pink candle in our Advent wreath. Maybe you think that's a little bit um, kind of a strange kind of thing. I mean, we usually are pretty uniform with how we do things up here. Each season has a color that has meaning and that has truth behind it. And for Advent, of course, the color is blue, and that symbolizes repentance, and that symbolizes hope, hope in that one who has promised to come. And yet here is this pink candle stuck in the middle of the season. Seems a little out of place in this season of blue, doesn't it? But this third candle of Advent is often called the candle of joy, hence the color, a joyful pink. This season of preparation evokes in us many different kinds of responses, and joy ought to be one of those responses. Like the shepherds who first heard the news of Christ's birth, we too believe that he is the one who is to come, the Savior who brings peace on earth and God's goodwill toward men. We have joy. We've got great joy in our expectation of the Christ who is to come. But, but then we hear this gospel reading appointed for this joy-filled third weekend in Advent, and it is certainly not joy-filled. We, we've got John the Baptist sitting in prison. Now, we know John. We know him very well. Every year, every Advent, he shows up with his weird clothes of camel's hair and his weird diet of honey and bugs and his, his fire and brimstone message. Heard him last weekend in the gospel reading what John preached. He preached a, a message of repentance. Repent, you're living in sin. Whether that be the sin of dishonesty or greed or self-righteousness or hate, don't rationalize your sin away. Don't try to put a good spin on it. Don't save your repentance for another day when it may be too late. Stop thinking that you're going to get away with it and give up those sinful habits that enslave you. Repent. Turn. That was Matthew chapter 3. But this is Matthew chapter 11. And we see a very different John the Baptist. We see a man with questions, and we see a man with reservations, and we see a man who is struggling with doubt. So he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him a question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect somebody else? And I think it'd be safe to say if John the Baptist had a problem with doubts, then who wouldn't have a problem with doubts in one way or another at some time or another? If even John the Baptist struggled with doubt, then I don't think any one of us is immune to that struggle. But if you remember the rest of John's story, you know what happened with him. John went from belief through this doubt to even greater belief. 
stronger belief, so that in the end, he died a martyr's death, proclaiming the word of God to the very end. For us, we who also believe, but we who also face doubts, how do we work through that in our lives? How do we respond to doubt in much the same way as to come through doubt to even greater belief, just like John? Well, if you look at Matthew 11, we see, I, I think, three keys to responding to doubt, three keys for battling doubt that John the Baptist so wonderfully shows us here. That first key, key number one, the first key is this, don't be surprised if you start to doubt. Again, if John the Baptist had a problem with doubt, guess what? We will probably all have problems with doubt at one time or another. So don't be surprised if doubt comes to you. You and I should not be shocked when we go through a period of doubt because pretty much everybody struggles with doubt. However, when we do, we should not just dismiss it. We should not just ignore it. We shouldn't just sweep it under the rug. We should be concerned about it. And we should do what John did. Did you notice what John did? The first thing that John did when he started to doubt, when he went through that period of doubt, he went right back to Jesus. I think that's the first lesson we learn in dealing with doubt. Key number one, don't be surprised about doubt, but be concerned and go right back to your Lord. Go right back to Jesus. Key number two, the sources of doubt, I think, are very common. In these few verses, there are a number of possible sources for John's doubt, but I think the main source of John's doubt was a time of personal hardship. I mean, just listen to those first few words of that text again. When John heard in prison what, what Christ was doing, where was he? He's in jail. He's in prison. And let me tell you, that was not a nice place to be. He was suffering there. He was in prison unjustly. And John is going through a very difficult time of personal hardship here. And when you think about it, isn't that so often when doubts come? During a time of personal hardship, personal difficulty, personal crisis, when relationships get broken, or when sicknesses come, or when jobs are lost, or when death comes near. So very often the devil scoots in at those times when we are tested and stretched and stressed to place doubts in our hearts and to place doubts in our minds. So when you and I are struggling with doubt, we can ask the question, am I experiencing a time of personal hardship? That's the second key to responding to doubt. Realizing that maybe the reason why we are struggling with doubt is because the devil is using that time of hardship and difficulty to move us there, to move us into doubt. That's key number two. And key number three, I think most, maybe the most important one in dealing with doubt, the solution to doubt is actually very simple. All you need to do is ask God for a sign. Have you ever wanted to ask God for a sign? Or ever done that, ask God for a sign? Probably, at least you've thought about it. We've wanted to do that. So if you have asked God for a sign or have wanted to do that, have you ever been a little disappointed thinking, well, God hasn't given me one? You know why the, there's a problem there? 
because sometimes we look for signs in the places where God does not put signs. You know, when you drive your car, when we drive your car, there's, there's an awful lot of signs along the road. You'd notice that, right? All kinds of signs that you have to pay attention to. So when you're driving, where are you looking for those signs? You look for the signs where they post them, right along the side of the road, right? Sometimes over above us. That's where the signs are. That's where they're normally placed. Should you look for signs out in a field somewhere or up in a tree? Well, of course not, because that's not where the signs are. But sometimes when we're looking for a sign from God, we're looking in all the places where he did not promise to place his signs. And we're wondering why. Why in the world is God not communicating with me? Well, we're just looking in the wrong place. They're actually there, right beside us, right where he told us they would be. Right in his word. Right in the Bible. Can you imagine if if we treated, say, a policeman the same way we sometimes treat our God? Imagine you're driving along the road, you see a sign, or maybe you don't see it. There's a sign along the side of the road that says speed limit 55. And somehow you missed that. Somehow you didn't see it. And the policeman pulls you over and he comes up to your window, you roll it down, and he says to, to you, did you see the sign? It says speed limit 55. And you say, oh, officer, I, I didn't notice that. I don't pay attention to signs. Don't you think he would say to you, well, let me help you pay attention to those signs. I'll give you a fine. That'll help you. But isn't that the way sometimes we treat our God? We just don't pay attention to the signs. He gives us the signs in his word. Sometimes we don't pay attention. Or imagine if we treated a, a policeman like this. You know, you roll down your window and he says, the sign out there says speed limit 55. And you look at him right in the eye and say, well, officer, that's just your interpretation of that sign. Actually, a lot of us believe that 55 means 75. Isn't that the way people sometimes work with the signs that God gives in his word? You know, God's word clearly says something. It's clear as a sign that says speed limit 55. And we take that and we say, oh no, you know that sign, you've got to interpret it. And we make it say something that it doesn't say. Imagine if we treated a policeman the way we sometimes treat our God. So where are the signs? Then all the places where Jesus told John the Baptist to look as he's dealing with doubts. Listen to what he says to John's disciples. He says, go back and tell John what you hear and what you see. He says, go tell John what's going, around, all, going on all around here, what you are seeing. The blind are receiving sight. The lame are walking. Lepers are cured. Deaf hear. Dead are being raised. Good news is being preached to poor people. Don't you see what's happening? Jesus has come and he's changing the lives of people. Go tell John that. Now, if you were listening a little earlier, you've heard all those things before because all those things are found in Isaiah chapter 35, our Old Testament reading for today. And John and John's disciples have heard all of those things before too because they knew their Bible and they knew Isaiah chapter 35. So Jesus is saying to John, see how the people's lives are being changed and in that you see that Isaiah 35 is fulfilled. Tell John that. The Bible has come true in me. Oh, the signs are right there. They're right there in God's word. 
And the more we open the pages of the Bible, the more we see the signs. And every sign points to the fact that God is true and Christ is who he said he was. He is the Savior of the world. The signs are true because they are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So we don't need to doubt. He came to proclaim good news. And he did. He came to give his life, to give his life as a ransom for many. And he did. Jesus is the Messiah. He did exactly what God promised he was going to do. You know, look how he changed people's lives. Look and see how his words opened people's eyes and opened people's hearts. Look how he loved even the unlovable, how he gave his very life. People who are lost in darkness and misunderstanding see the truth about a loving God. People who are dead are given life. And good news is proclaimed by the Messiah. Look around in God's word and you see the signs. He is the person he said he was. Really is the savior. He is the crucified Christ. He is the risen redeemer. He is the answer to all the questions. He's deliver, he is the deliverer from doubts. He is even the one who rescues from the sin of doubt by his sacrifice. And so when doubts come, God says, look at the signs. Look at my word. Look to me. I've given all the signs through my word. I've given them through my son. And I've given them to you. Look at the signs. Through Christ and his signs, we can deal with doubt. Through Christ and his signs, hope is renewed and faith is strengthened. Through Christ and his signs, doubt is driven away. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we confess together our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. You find that on page 8 in your bulletin. Together we confess. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we gather our offering to the Lord.
rise for prayer. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, you have revealed Jesus Christ to us as our Savior and has given us the gift of faith. When our faith is challenged, defend us. When our faith wavers, strengthen us. When doubt assail us, rescue us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As those who have heard your voice of peace and comfort, make us instruments of your peace to others, that we may proclaim Jesus Christ and his salvation to all people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious Lord, the holy season of our Savior's birth is soon upon us. Keep us from being distracted and turn us to the true gift of your Son as our Savior and Lord. Help us that we may be renewed in faith and filled with joy by the celebration of your Son's birth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, giver of all good gifts, look on your church with grace and guide us as we begin the process of calling an associate pastor to work among us here at Chapel of the Cross. Guide the hearts and minds of those who serve on the call committee. Give wisdom, understanding, and discernment in this important work that we may receive a faithful servant who will care for your people and share your gospel of grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, look down with mercy on this land, its government, and all nations of the world. Preserve us from unjust war and bloodshed. Sustain those who are in need, especially the homeless and the hungry. Grant us good weather and protect all who travel, especially during this holiday season. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, be with our service men and women who are separated from family and friends this Christmas time. Keep them safe, Lord. Drive away all loneliness and fear and sustain them and their loved ones by your word and spirit. We especially pray for the safe return from deployment for Reagan Johnson's father, Brandon. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Gracious God, send your promised comforter that he may give the gift of, give the peace of Christ to those who have troubled hearts. Today we especially remember those who are ill, are hospitalized, are recovering from surgery, including Kevin Bruce, Sharon Casey, and John Julian. We also bring before your throne of grace, Heavenly Father, other loved ones, family members, and friends in need of your healing touch during this time of silent prayer. Lord God, according to your great mercy, grant them healing, peace, and joy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
Good Lord, raise up the spirits of those who sorrow, bring calm to those whose hearts are troubled, and bring hope to those who grieve and mourn the loss of a loved one. Today, we especially remember Anna Lou Harms and her family upon the death of her son, Martin, this past Sunday. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Please remain standing as we sing our recessional hymn, Hail to the Lord's Anointed. Mm -hmm. 